What is up, Essential People? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy Placer and Acton Academies around the world. Today's guest uh, is Allie Miller, and we had kind of a special episode on this, so um, and we just really want to talk about one thing in particular. So Allie's a, a registered dietitian. Um, she's a certified diabetes educator. She's a certified weight management specialist. She went through a kind of a holistic program as an ND. Uh, therapeutic lifestyle, healthcare practitioner. So she's dedicated her entire career to basically revolutionizing the whole food as medicine concept in treatment and in prevention um, of disease. So, you know, she self-proclaimed has a passion to create public awareness uh, just regarding the significant role that, that diet plays in the overall health with her philosophy of food as medicine. She's the author of the anti-anxiety diet, naturally nourished um, food as medicine for optimal health cookbook. Uh, she's the founder of the Reset, Restore, Renew Real Food Detox program. She's a podcast host. Uh, she's brilliant, and uh, we got into the health, uh, not just around you know the, the health aspect, not just around uh, just kind of food and, and all of that, but we got into the the whole mask topic too. And what does it look like for all these kids uh, going back to schools? Super, super interesting. So we kind of veered away a little bit from the 11 questions uh, and just talked about such a pressing issue. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation here with Miss Allie Miller. Three, two, one, and we are good to go with Miss Allie Miller, RD. How you doing, young lady? I am doing awesome. So much fun to have you. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Been following you. So we have some mutual friends in uh, the Vegas, right? And oh, so yeah. we've had, so yeah. I've been on their podcast as well. We had Danny, uh, Danny on this one. So good folks there. Actually, our first guest was Matt Gadke. Uh, too. So back in the back in the day, we had Maddie on too, which is kind of fun. So been a fan and following you for a long time. My wife is a humongous fan too. So big shout out to uh, to Heather too. So she's excited to to have you on here. Um, I want to give people before we get into some of this fun stuff, and we may go a little off of the normal. 11 questions today because there are some things that we just need to chat about that you have an amazing perspective on and the L word that you just used before we jumped on to logic, right? We yeah. want to go with take this <laughs> logical point of view. Like I'd like to actually, you know, we'd like to do that. We create these schools with the essence of getting back to logic um, that's not fueled by an agenda, um, just getting back to the reality of things, right? So before we get sure. into that though, I want to do your origin story. So just kind of whatever you want to share as far as the background and kind of what you're doing now too. So give people a taste of what that looks like. Sure. So my name is Allie Miller. I am a registered dietitian, but what makes my background very unique is that I went to a naturopathic college of medicine, Bestier University. And I've always believed in medicine as something that is grounded in nature, but yet influential by clinical relevance and outcomes. And I'm really nerdy in the sense of biochemistry and anatomy and physiology. And I'm always trying to understand when looking at interventions, what is the mechanism of action? So how does something influence the body and have either an upstream or downstream impact on the function of the being. And so I work with individuals as like the detective of the body, if you will, the classic understanding of functional medicine is seeking the root cause of chronic conditions. 
And so the way that I work with individuals is I spend 90 minutes with them in an initial intake and they leave that first hour and a half, sometimes knowing more about themselves than they did before they went in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because a lot of the ways that people will answer questions, the reality is, unfortunately, we're just also out of touch with our own bodies. Yep. And so in order to really be well, we need to reconnect with the signals of what our body's telling us from feedback, from lifestyle decisions, from things we put in our mouth, from thoughts we have in our head, from exposures in our environment and so forth. And um, it's interesting because I'll spend that hour and a half with someone asking them questions like, you know, how do you respond to stress? And they'll say, oh, I try to do yoga or meditation. I said, I I didn't ask how you cope with stress. How do you physiologically, what happens in your body at the red light when you're in the silent space, when you say, oh man, I'm really stressed out. What, what are the things, you know, is it clenching in your jaw? Is it, you know, a shift in your bowels? Is it blood pressure regulation, uh, changes in body temperature? And so we kind of put this whole picture back together for the individual and then I share it with them and they share it back with me and we have a conversation. And I think that a good medical practitioner is trying to guide the individual to optimal health in their frame. And they have to understand the health of the individual to even try to help to heal them in the process. So good. It's a process of this self-awareness, right? Yeah. And most people, and I'm sure you'll find, I mean, you, you can tell me because you talk to more people around this, but most people don't pay attention. Yes. <laughs> they don't pay yeah. attention. Not only do they not pay attention to the world around them, but they just don't pay attention to exactly what you're talking about, those physiological responses. How do I cope when this takes place? What do I physiologically do? How does my body respond when I eat this certain food, right? I mean, people do not pay attention to that. But what's worse is that we've almost been trained not to pay attention to that. Right. Yes. And uh, I think that so many of us, especially in the constructs of everything pandemic, have even further segregated from their intuition and um, listening to their gut or what, quote unquote, feels right. Um, the, The true physiological, energetic emotional impact on how their body responds um, because they're all really in this fear-centered, cerebral, amygdala, you know, brain space. And um, unfortunately, that just further deconstructs overall optimal health. And even in the most, um, you know, taking a step back, even just looking at how conventional or allopathic medicine works, Mm -hmm. it's deconstructed, you know, so you have your pulmonologist for your respiratory focus, you have your rheumatologist for your autoimmune conditions, you have your cardiologist, and, and they don't integrate, they don't question the interactions of the medications they stay very single-minded in these algorithms and we're trying to dehumanize medicine and and unfortunately that's that's i believe a step towards breaking the human constructs of of optimal health rather than better understanding and 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 in many ways we have to go back to move forward yeah it's completely the antithesis and that reminds i mean again being in education for forever and and everything from kindergarten through higher ed um you know one of the things that i always get back to when, when we're building our schools here is, is, okay, well, how's my student going to do on these various subjects? Life doesn't work in subjects. It's much like, same thing. We're deco- What is this conversation you and I are having right now? Is this an English 
conversation? Is this a history conversation? Right? It doesn't work that way. That's not the human experience. That's not what learning looks like. But it's the same yeah. thing. We deconstruct, we disconnect, and it's to the detriment of everybody. And we've been doing that with our bodies. So I think the first, one of the first eye-opening things for me, so I was a, a, a kinesiology major uh, a long, long time ago uh, in college and, and just because I liked sports. I had no idea what I was going to do, right? So it was just a, a sports thing for me. But I was at Chico State University in Northern California. Um, I went to, I took a nutrition class. It was very basic run of the mill, um, you know, nutrition class for school. And, but I was interested and I said, well, I actually want to learn more. I didn't feel like I learned really anything there. It was still, there was still a lot of the disconnect. It was just very surface level. And we never got really into how the body actually performs with various things and learning to pay attention. So I went to a seminar being put on by a guy who was just kind of coming into being somewhat known. His name was Rob Wolf. And so that was my first introduction to Rob and, and a lot of Rob's work. And we started talking about all these things and my the the my brain was just firing at this at this crazy pace, particularly because we had a couple of doctors who were there, some MDs. And they were going, Rob, we've been to school for eight years, we've got our our practice, we've got we don't know any of this. We don't mm -hmm. learn any of this, right? It was this, the pure allopathic Western medicine approach and everything was this disconnect. They're like, this is all brand new information to us. And I hear that over and over and over again. So I love the path that you took because I know you're not just an RD, and, but you took that ND, kind of that ND side of it as well. You know, so I love that you're getting back to the to the reality of, of how we operate as human beings. It's amazing. Yeah, and it, I mean, when we look at biochemical response, which Rob, you know, his biochemistry sure. chemistry background yep. is for certain. Uh, if we're looking at dysfunction in the body, it makes sense that if every single physiological function of the body requires nutrients, yeah. that you would start yes. with nutrients to optimize the way that the body functions. I mean, just it's just, it's just upstream medicine. Yes. And unfortunately, there's just very limited understanding, even of a practitioner that has a, a reasonable, maybe they've done some elective coursework mm -hmm. in nutrition. Maybe they understand a little bit about carb control and a low glycemic approach, but they will not be well-versed in the differences of magnesium citrate oxide and glycinate, yeah. yet they might use it in a drip based right. on a myocardial infarct. You know, they might use it based on a heart attack, but, but still looking at a bottle or understanding it as an intervention, it's just not in the scope. It's not a consideration. Yeah. And why do you, I mean, why do you think that is? I remember reading something. So actually it was one of those doctors, um, that, that turned me on to it, who I kept in contact with a little bit, uh, going on into perpetuity after that conference. And, um, she said she had read something by, I want to say the, the gentleman's name is John Tilden, um, but it was called Toxemia Explained. And he wrote it in like 1910 or 19, I mean, it was a, a long time ago. And he said he feared the way Western medicine was working. He said, because a good practitioner of human health is going to create an environment to where a person no longer gets sick and doesn't need his services. He said that's his goal is to get it to where that person now is able to pay attention to those things, has enough knowledge, him or herself, that they don't need him anymore. So do you think that's a little bit of why we don't focus on that so that we continue to have this perpetuation of, of people in the medical, you know, kind of in this cartel? Or what, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm obviously biased, but what do you think for right. somebody that's a whole I, lot I more mean, knowledgeable I think, in that space? I life? think the way that we monetize and reimburse in, in the medical model is is broken yeah. and creates uh handcuffs of yeah. of 
patience to continuing big pharma's greatest interest. And I, I think, I mean, um, obviously without going on too, but give a tangent. I mean, a, a lot of what has come to light in the world of comorbidities and pandemic mm-hmm. and obesity as being a serious con- concern as well as insulin resistance and some of the other pathologies of comorbidities that we're seeing to greatly increase the impact of viral influence in the body because of hindered immune function. You know, um, I wish it was a greater and louder conversation, but we're seeing in multiple areas light being shown to either areas of drug reimbursement and mm-hmm. favoritism to certain industries within big pharma and biotech. Um, we're seeing a huge influence now in, you know, big tech and um, the way that there is screening and removal of yes. critical thinking and any free thinking that goes outside of the narrative. Ugh. And we're also seeing a huge impact with the, the big pharma, big ag connection and, yeah. and the threatened to food access. Yeah. And so I think that this is an opportunity. We decided in our household, I have a four-year-old yeah. and um, you know, we, we rode the waves and, and the beginning of all of this in, in the early part of the year, I always do immune focused work every season. It's just with the, you know, because cold and flu and viral stuff and whatnot. And, um, I knew right away in early February that this was different just based on the impact from already the, uh, keyboard warriors, if you will, or those that were already very pro narrative of pandemic, um, you know, questioning my business structure for recommending vitamin C and glutathione and things that I would do any season, you know, and then we just nerded out deeper on the mechanisms of this said, uh, pandemic. Um, but it's, it's become very clear, I think in many ways, those that have your best interest. No doubt about it. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about the, the censorship and again, I don't, and, and, you know, not, (laughs) not necessarily going too far of a tangent, but you know, it's, it's something we've definitely seen coming. We did, uh, we partnered with, with PragerU, Dennis Prager and, and Adam Carolla last year, and we helped produce a movie called No Safe Spaces. And um, we were talking particularly about the censorship and, and uh, kind of just the ad- agendas that are playing out uh, in our in our um, university systems, right? And, and maybe we bring Ben Shapiro in to talk and, and people riot and then the university says, hey, we need a safe space for you in case you need to go cry it out, right? We're going, what is happening to our universities, what is happening? When this is getting perpetuated all the way down to the K through 12 system, too, right? And yeah. so, of course, Prager is, you know, I mean, they're they're vastly uh, censored with everything that they put out there right now. Everything is fact checked, and and um, you know, it's it doesn't matter what they're speaking on. There's that censorship that is there. Um, that dovetails. I also do a lot of of speaking into corporations, and I accidentally, and I truly mean accidentally, took a gig with Merck. Uh, at one point and got to sit into some of the sales training and got to hear some things that I wish I had never heard. Um, it, it, you know, it just confirmed a lot of the things that I was already suspicious of. So we're in this really weird world where, you know, it seems that things are, are very much being um, just kind of driven towards these particular agendas. And it's just, it scares the junk out of me. And we start saying simple things like, look, this is natural medicine for the human body, vitamin C, Food is medicine. I know that's one of right. your big platforms. Food is medicine. Um, let's talk about that, you know? Yeah. So, so what are the things that you're working on, you know, without going into the, the craziness with, with your clients? When you're talking about food is medicine, what kind of things are you guys taking a look at? Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I really use functional medicine approaches and then food as medicine interventions mm-hmm. and a lot of targeted nutritional supplements. And 
I put out a book in 2016, 2017, uh, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. Yes. And then that was followed by The Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook last fall. And a lot of my work is within the world of the HPA access, which is our hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback. Mm. This is what regulates us, our autonomic nervous system of whether we are in a sympathetic fight or flight response or a parasympathetic what we were told was rest and digest mode, but is so much greater and vaster than that. You know, the, the parasympathetic space is really where all of our regulatory function occurs. So when we get into that parasympathetic balance or we're able to offset that chronic fight or flight sympathetic mode, this is where our circadian rhythm is optimized. So our energy, this is where our sleep patterns are optimized. This is where our thyroid and our metabolic health is optimized. So whether our body experiences satiety through that hypothalamus right. is going to downstream impact how the thyroid burns calories. Um, whether or not we are reproductively sound mm -hmm. and our sexual hormone health. So when we are running on this chronic fight or fight mo mode, which I really put out postpartum um, as a support, uh, not just for women, really for men and women. That's why it's not hormone specific, sure. but it's when it really resonated with me as far as all of my work in this past decade plus has shown that whether I'm dealing with someone with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's flare, or whether I'm dealing with someone who has Sjogren's, another autoimmune condition, or someone that has acute dermatitis, or someone that's dealing with really severe histamine intolerance mm -hmm. across the board, if we don't harness the wild stallion of their brain, if we don't get them from that chronic sympathetic fight or flight response, into this parasympathetic regulatory mode, they're not going to be balanced. You know, we're just kind of playing uh, whack-a-mole with symptom management and we could be doing so naturally. Right. So I could be working with L-glutamine for gut support. I could be getting them on a bone broth, you know, challenge. I could be doing X, Y, Z, but at the end of the day, if the body is in a perceived threat at a constant state, yep. if the body believes that it is under survival mode, it doesn't matter. You're going to be burning through nutrients at higher demand. You're going to be taking on higher amounts of oxidative stress and your system is going to be overtaxed. So that HPA axis continues that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback continues to shunt into survival mode and all of your regulatory function is dismantled or definitely dysfunctional. So I've kind of stated with the premise of these books that uh, stress or unmanaged anxiety mm -hmm. is the Achilles heel to wellness. Yeah. So, so good. And that's, so that actually feeds us right into one of the questions that we got from our youth. And, and this is a, you're in a unique position to answer this a little more is the, you know, it's around anxiety. So it's the young people. And I see this, I see this, whether it's working with the school age children, uh, you know, in the, in that K through 12 environment, whether it's talking to parents about their school age children or whether it's even working with, um, you know, the university age or, or these young people coming out of, uh, out of college and they're now going into the workforce and, and these organizations are hiring me because they're saying, Hey, we've got this stressed out crazy, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, I mean, they're just anxious. 
um, yeah. group of young people, and it's really killing their job performance, right? And we don't talk about this in terms of how it affects the young people too, and how much diet plays a role yeah. into into who our kids are as they're developing, as they're going into these school situations. Do you work with the youth at all? Do you work with the parents on helping their kids kind of getting, getting dialed into? Yeah, I mean, I work with all age ranges yeah. and, uh, you know, even usually before anxiety is diagnosed, we're calling it in the earlier age groups, ADHD, sure. uh, right. but it really is a form of also, I mean, it, it sure. doesn't matter what you want to pull out, what handbook of classification yeah. of, yeah, of yeah. symptoms and signs. The idea is again, that the body is hardwired in a survival, agitated, anxious, imbalanced state. Yep. Um, and so we'll see it in younger ages, like um, outrage, irritability, um, really difficult time in, you know, transitioning, thinking toddlers is like the classic um, transitions, yeah. you know, are yeah. really difficult for them anyway, because they're in the zone. Yep. But but a child that has some neurotransmitter imbalance or some gut biome imbalance, mm -hmm. which is going to downstream impact their neurotransmitters, um, they're going to have a harder time. And so there's, sure. there's both elements. There's, we do a lot of lifestyle work and I'm happy to share some of that stuff. But the big picture is that Diet is key because blood sugar balance is key. Yeah. Uh, when we are on a roller coaster of highs and lows in our blood sugar, we've all experienced, regardless of our age, some level of hangry where we've had like right. that low blood sugar irritability bitey. Right. And unfortunately, children are starting their days with far too many carbohydrates, not enough protein, not enough fat. And many of them are continuing to eat like that throughout the entire day, because right. this is what's mass marketed to children, the sugary, gummy, carb, crunchy type snacks. And um, we're not getting ample fat, which supports cognitive function. Mm -hmm. Fat is really nourishing for the brain, especially cholesterol rich foods like egg yolks and grass fed beef. And, you know, so proteins and fats, very nourishing. And um, that's the first step for everyone. I mean, and, and really we should not, the idea of nutritional ketosis, which I use the ketogenic diet and right. the anti-anxiety uh, diet, uh, should not be radical. It's a, it's a hybrid approach to fuel that the human body lost access to from abuse of excessive carbohydrate right. intake. Yep. So, it, <laughs> it, yep. I mean, babies in utero are using ketones in, right. in, in their fetal state full on breastfed babies are in light nutritional ketosis. Yep. So we have lost the ability to this brain boosting antioxidant um, saving fuel source because of carbohydrate abuse. Yeah. Um, and so the first thing to do with all ages is to get them off of that blood sugar roller coaster yeah. spike, bring out all processed refined carbs, then bring out my top five inflammatory foods, which is gluten, corn, soy, sugar, and dairy. I do pull out for behavior and yeah. brain, and we can talk about that later. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, then we, then we can retest those foods, but all of them are out for three months tight. And in that process, we start to put them into a state of light nutritional ketosis because you get them off the blood sugar spikes and crashes by employing a ketogenic diet, but you also get to produce ketones, which 
cross the blood-brain barrier, they have anxiolytic, mood-stabilizing effect. Mm. Ketones can actually enhance GABA activity, which mm. is our inhibitory grounding compound. Uh, works very comparable hand-in-hand uh, -hand with inhibitory serotonin against our excitatory responders and our neurotransmitters. And GABA also can help with academic performance. It can get mm. you in the zone. We talk about basketball players shooting free throws. GABA is elevated in their brain when they're really heightened focus, um, but not like an epinephrine, adrenaline, right. when we're giving kids methamphetamine stimulants right. Right. <laughs> to keep them wired in that fight or flight stress response. So very different brain chemistry yeah. when you're working with supporting GABA with ketosis versus methamphetamine speed that yep. we're giving to our youth. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And then prescribe <laughs> that early and often. You know? And no one has a deficiency for speed. I'm sorry. I just no <laughs> doubt about and, it. Yeah. And yeah. we should just call it what yeah. it is because a lot of parents yeah. would be there. They'd be horrified to be like, Oh, well, my kid's not on speed. And then you turn it and you're like, well, what's the active ingredient same, same. and what is it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same, same. That's absolutely. Do you get a lot of pushback when, when you start talking? Cause that now, and I'm very, so we operate differently as a, as a school organization as it is, right? We're very much around building this self-directed, uh, child teaching them to set goals, getting back to logic. We don't have an agenda. We've got, um, you know, we're teaching them to ha be entrepreneurially minded, not necessarily just entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurially minded. We, we just have a very different approach as it is. So I'm very open and honest, especially as families are checking us out for the first time. And I tell them right up front, my job right now is to try to get you to leave. I'm actually trying to get to make sure this is actually where you want to be. Inevitably, what comes up in a lot of these um, open houses that we have is, well, is this going to work for my child here? Because, you know, he or she has severe ADHD and it's it's early when we're going to, you know, we think we're going to have to medicate this person. And so without having any kind of credentials, you know, one of the things I say, look, and I recommend you, I recommend a couple of, I'm like, look, you need to start diving into what this really is and what you're doing to your kid. Um, because I think that approach right there is, is a poor response. We need to be a little more proactive. And, and inevitably that steps on some toes and, and it makes some people very, very uncomfortable. Do you get any pushback from your clientele when you start talking about like, look, let's get off the speed. Let's start changing this. Let's start going to more of a nutritional ketosis. Uh, what's kind of the response usually? I mean, I I get pushed back all the time, all the time? but yeah. that's, that's just a part <laughs> yeah, of being a light worker, that's man. Of, yeah, huh? yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast. I just, yeah. I, I mean, it's that it's, it's been the gnarliest pushback ever beyond actually. I mean, I, I, I love working with parents and I always try to bring it to attention without, of course, shame. Sure. I think shame yep. is a nasty, nasty thing that has been overly abused yeah. in the constructs of this pandemic. Shame and irresponsibility are the favorite words that people like Goodness to say to gracious. me as of recent. Totally. Um, and I just kind of smile and I, I just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I have no space to accept your shame in yeah. my being. I only take shame from my mother. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's quite proud of me. So yeah. we're good. So we're um, all set. Yeah, good. <laughs> No, that's awesome, man. I love, I love to hear that. Um, you know, and that's the focus, especially for us, man, the focus on the, on the young people. My, I have a four year old as you do, and I have a, uh, we also have a seven and a nine and, you know, we, we kind of came upon 
kind of moving towards more of a, a of, of a ketogenic lifestyle, really partially because of my wife and she had uh, had migraines for years. And so we kind of moved towards this to see if that was going to uh, potentially help, which it absolutely did. And then behavioral issues from the nine-year-old when she was young. And you ask anybody now and my nine, they're like, my nine-year-old's about, she's a 40-year-old. She's an adult, right? Yeah. But she's just so calm, so stable. Like there's no emotional ups and downs. She doesn't have the outbreaks. And her focus, it's like what you're saying. It's a calm focus throughout the day. And we notice that for our entire family. And my kids now will... They know, they pay attention. They go, look, if I was to eat this, this is going to cause gut disruption. This is going to cause mood swings. This is going to cause, they have that awareness of themselves now. And it's so beneficial and it makes such a huge difference for our youth. It's a shame that we're not talking about that more. It is. And it's so wild. You know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about being again, connecting with each client that I work with. And now I work with yeah. a lot of people on a, a more grand scale with my books and programs and such. Uh, but it's always meeting each individual at where they're at. And if they're willing to make some change, I, th- I think that carb control is just one of the greatest influential players yeah. and it takes out the nuances. You know, I'm also very into all natural foods, single ingredients. Is it a whole food? Can you right. identify it growing or all of its edible parts intact? Right. Uh, but good, better, best, the nuances of like, if we can just get you to get your kids carbs at 60 grams a day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because with metabolic flexibility, that'll probably work okay. If, yep. And then we can bring in protein and fat at all meals. Yep. And then we can talk about the nuances of, you know, like I said, I pulled off those five inflammatory ingredients yeah. because that includes things like maltodextrin in the world of corn. And that right. includes, right. It's, it's virtually impossible to find anything processed without corn, soy, or gluten. They're, yeah. they're ubiquitous in the, in the processed food industry yeah, yeah. And, and, yep. and they're funded by Big Egg for that reason. Um, so that helps to clean up a lot of the mess. Yeah. But then there are there are next level elements of, you know, food sensitivity and leaky gut, right. working with the microbiome, targeted nutritional support, because some children do need more of a leg up. Yep. And, you know, everyone comes to a different level of nutritional need and demand. And, yeah. and then we have to kind of layer on these things. And sometimes we'll use things like chewable forms of bioidentical GABA, especially if dealing with rage and outbreak as a transitional tool. And that works really beautifully. And so there's always a kind of good, better, best spectrum. I love that. And one of those five that you mentioned, you, you mentioned dairy too. And so I, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear, I'd love to hear about that too. And is in, and your experiences in terms of, you know, uh, kind of conventional dairy versus, you know, versus a two versus raw versus, you know, like what, what kind of experience with all of that? Yeah. So dairy is, was difficult for me to include in my book because I'm from Wisconsin and gotcha. uh, dairy is yeah. a big yeah. staple. I didn't realize that. Head. Whereabouts in Wisconsin? I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas now. Yeah. I've been in Texas for over a decade, but I'm from between Milwaukee and Madison. Okay. All right. Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah very cool. Uh, and so Midwest totally. Yep. And then went to university of Iowa. So I kind of got the, the, those roots. Yes. yes. But, uh, so, um, I am a fan of, of raw, a2 dairy. Yeah, yep. um, I am a fan because of the immunoglobulins that they can provide. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've seen successful outcomes with, especially when we're talking about 
immune concerns and mm -hmm. building up one's immune system. Right. You know, the benefits that we get of the IgG compounds, the immunoglobulins from either non-denatured grass-fed whey, mm -hmm. uh, but really high in the raw dairy, um, really fantastic for supporting gut integrity and the entire gut-associated lymphatic tissue, mm -hmm. which can play a role with our overall immune response. We see great outcomes with asthma for children. We see great outcomes for allergies. Um, a lot of those that tend to have more um, of like the derm stuff, like cradle cap, even in right. youth and things like that, we can start to see that they have some immune insufficiencies often and some gut integrity and bacterial imbalance. So pro bacteria you get in the raw milk as well. And so raw aged cheeses are easier for people mm -hmm. throughout the country to get access to uh, because they're going to get those immunoglobulins and probiotics, but it's legal in all states, whereas some states only sell raw milk to pets and right. you name it. Right. Um, now, the exception with the anti-anxiety diet work is that casein, so in the A2, without going on a whole episode on differences of yeah, dairy, yeah. but A2 is the form of casein that's less inflammatory for us. Um, so, you know, in less mass produced dairy cows. Right. Um, so we'll use, we'll see in more small scale operations, the specific breeds that they choose are A2, less inflammatory, but yet the casein still does cross the blood brain barrier and it interferes with our opioid receptors. So both gluteomorphin and caseomorphin are compounds that come from gluten and dairy and they can cross the blood brain barrier and inter interact with our opioid receptors, which when we're dealing with manic depressive bipolar two disorder, or we're dealing with schizophrenia, um, or we're dealing with all forms of mental illness, yeah. it is one that I like to pull out to be really strict and um, be, be a little bit more conservative of. But if you are to pull it out for the first three months, or if you're doing the anti-anxiety diet for wellness and optimal health and not dealing with severe mental health issues, then you may choose to incorporate still a probiotic rich dairy like yogurt, kefir, right. raw aged cheese, or the um, non-denatured whey or raw milk. And then the only other reason I'd consider pulling those out, if you if they do not affect your mood and you bring them back in and you do a challenge, which I provide in the book, yeah. um, the only other time that we'll pull them out for my daughter is during times of phlegm. Uh, yeah. I find that the, the little especially up through like age seven, eight, until they're really nasogastrically um, advanced and they've mm -hmm. been exposed to a lot of antigens. It'll be interesting now with the masking things. Right. Uh, but when dealing with rhinitis, any form of runny nose or, or phlegm, I pull out the dairy during that time as well because I find it to be mucus producing. I love it. So, fa oh my gosh, so fascinating. And I can sit and dork out and listen to you. <laughs> I can listen, seriously, I can listen to you all day. And the, and the only other... <laughs> Um, we had Ben uh, Greenfield um, as well, and he's another one too. Where sometimes it's just like I just want to sit and just listen and just like <laughs> oh, just thank you. how about you just just speak to me? I'm gonna just shut my mouth. I'm not even gonna ask you. Just go. Um, I, I love that. I can dork out on that stuff all day. I'm so yeah. fascinated by that. So I I do want to shift. You mentioned the masks too. I want to yeah. talk about that a little bit. So you know, I've got again being in the education space that's obviously a hot topic right now what's everybody doing for schools right and so we you know when this whole first thing kind of went down um you know and everybody around the country went went virtual right you know all the schools are shutting down and sending out we were one of the last to go we're privately funded we're not publicly funded in in any way so we don't have to answer to anybody right and i set us up that way on purpose um so i just went to my community i went to my community and said okay parents what does everybody want to do right now what is everybody comfortable with my agenda my thoughts whatever that doesn't 
I, I want to see what everybody's comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. and the majority of the community was very interesting. The majority were like, you know what? We don't really know. Nobody panicked, but it was like, we don't really know what this is. Let's go ahead and go virtual uh, for a little bit and see what's going on. We had a few MDs, which was very interesting to me that we're going, ah, don't shut down. Please don't shut down. Please don't shut down. Please don't shut down. Please stay open. And But they understood that the majority of our, our population, right? So we went virtual. Within that first week, I probably had 50 teachers, administrators, superintendents from around the country that I still work with and try to help that called and said, oh my gosh, what do we do? I've stayed in communication with a lot of them. Many of them either still at this point, we're August 3rd at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. They still don't necessarily know what they're doing or they're creating these weird Frankenstein situations for coming back or they're creating a hybrid, sometimes virtual, sometimes you get to come as long as you wear a bubble, as long as we have everybody's got face shields and we're taking your temperature upon entrance. Like most of them have no idea what they're doing or how they're going to do it. Yeah. What the heck are we doing? (laughs) You know, so, okay, I, in, in early April, I had this like, okay, how do I talk about, cause, cause in March yeah. I kind of went dormant a little bit sure. too, after being attacked in February about trying to monetize the pandemic by recommending immune. I, I, I have a supplement you. line how, and yeah. I talk about my supplement line, the same exact schedule that I have in the last three years. Right. Every Thursday we do a post every <laughs> Monday, we have a podcast, you know, yeah. like nothing yeah, yeah. has nothing influxed. Different. Yeah. Right. You know what, whatnot. So I kind of took a little bit to high to, to like, hibernate and just, just feel and listen and, and, and understand the current. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of came out in April. I told my husband, I was like, okay, so officially I'm not scared anymore. Like I'm going to speak my truth every day from now on in in the middle of April on. And I saw good peers of mine, like Ben Lynch, also best year grad, uh, sharing some awesome stuff on his page. Um, my buddy, metabolic Mike, um, a lot of great guy, uh, Yes, Kelly, Dr. Kelly Brogan. Yep. Um, so it was like, okay, this is this is this is we're just gonna do it. Yeah. Sheer truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so we called it the Great Awakening with my daughter May first. We were like, May Day is the Great Awakening, and this is the day that like we we no longer are allowing the bad season. Right. And so my four year old has always called it. I don't know if she knows the c word, but she calls it the bad season, yeah. and she'll say now in public. Don't you know the bad season the bad is over? over. You don't have her. to be wearing this mask. Good for her. The bad season is over. Some people are making really poor decisions, but the bad season is over. This is her like yes. mantra. Some people are making poor decisions. So um, as, as any, with any understanding of the immune system, I mean, we've had zero dialogue about the difference of the innate and the acquired immune system. The yep. general public have a very minimal understanding of that. And that should be the first thing, you know, the only maybe understanding is somewhat of the barrier system of the immune system, because we're, we're talking about increasing hygiene. Right. Um, but the immune system has both an innate meaning upon immediate exposure yeah. and an acquired or learned adaptive yeah. element of its immune system. And the idea of what we're doing right now as policies and mandates is a lot of lip service with a little bit of function and some harmful influence. And so the specifics on masks and my concerns are, uh, and I'm not here with all of the data and research to to nerd out on in that sense. I'm just going to speak as a concerned 
mother yep. um, and individual. But the concern is that masks interfere with both our innate and our acquired immune system um, initially, at, at least. So anything that is blocking our surface of our respiratory system. Our respiratory system has a filtration system built in through our nose, mm -hmm. right? So the tiny hairs, our nares, mm -hmm. uh, that regulates our moisture, that regulates also bacteria, particles, and, and filters, what mm -hmm. goes into our respiratory system. And our mouth does not have that, right? So if we mouth breathe, we've seen influence on the central nervous system, like snorers, right? Not getting yeah. enough oxygenation to their brain. But also when we're talking about just breathing in right mm -hmm. through the season, right? So if we're looking at being safe and supporting our innate immune system, we would always seal our lips and we'd breathe with our noses. And this is important for anyone, whether you have to wear a mask or not. Mm -hmm. um, because I find that when people wear masks, unfortunately, they do, they do more mouth breathing. I believe it. Because they feel, especially if they're not aware of this, they feel like something's covering their, their ability to inhale. Mm -hmm. And so they take more shallow, rapid inhalations through their mouth. Right. Um, and so they're getting less filtration than their system is actually creating created to be. And then when they're expelling, the other part of the innate immune system is to expel viral particle, right? And so the expelling is going to be hindered. And this is what those delightful Petri dish studies show us, which is oral bacteria, not virus, which is substantially smaller and is easily passing through all of the masks sure. out there. Um, but we're withholding oral bacteria on the surface of the mask. And we're also, because of compromised exhalation, not able to expel if we did take in a viral particle droplet, our, exp our expelation is hindered. And then now we're inhaling oral bacteria into our pleural cavity, creating high risk for infection in our respiratory tract. And also on our skin, we're starting to see staph infections at a higher rate mm. because of this oral bacteria. So, so I believe that it is not net neutral. I believe that it's net harmful. Yeah. And that's only in the mechanisms of our innate immune system and our respiratory system. That's right. not to mention the psychological influence mm -hmm. on, on separation, on loss of empathy, on loss of nonverbal communication, which 40 to 70% of it is, is yes. below the nose, right? Um, the, the disconnect and the consideration on our youth and how that makes them feel, the oxytocin, yep. um, there, there's a lot of layers to it. And I think that we do not have enough studies that prove them to be effective. The Journal of Nature that, that like people like to reference as the study that was done on rhinovirus, coronavirus, and influenza, mm -hmm. where they did ex expellation or exhaling um, with talking and coughing and singing or something loud, maybe it was yelling. Yeah. Um, when you read the study, this is what people are not trained to do. They're trained. They're they're trained to read headlines sure. and then and then go in line and listen. Um, and you probably know more about that from schooling. Man, <laughs> but that's, that's but people truth. read the headlines yep. even if they take the moment to find the study, click on the study, and read the conclusions. Mm -hmm. The conclusions will sound really favorable for masking. But when you go into that Journal of Nature study and you see that those that had the coronavirus infection mm -hmm. and were positive, they extrapolated those 
those that did not cough 17 times within a 30 minute window. 17 times within 30 minutes is a lot of coughing. Mm -hmm. I'd be coughing more than every other minute yep. in the frequency of this interview. And I think you'd say, Allie, I think you're sick. Yeah, something's going on. Yeah, that's for sure. Called Go get a drink of water. That's, yeah. that's not yeah. asymptomatic. Right. No one in their right mind would call someone that's coughing more frequent than every other minute yep. asymptomatic. Right. And what they found in that Journal of Nature study that everyone loves to claim is the one that defends masks is that those that did not cough 17 times in 30 minutes had no difference in the viral load output with and with off without a cloth mask. That is direct data stating that an asymptomatic carrier should not be wearing a mask. So when you take that and then you level with the risk factor to the wearer, right? Where is the percent of logic of of what we're going to how we're going to harm our children in this? And it's 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 an emotional topic for me for certain. And I will never mask my child. Absolutely not. You and I both. I mean, I, we have you know we're in California, right? Where it's masks everywhere you go. Um, I mean, we are we're a very hardcore state, and like you said, kind of it's the shame factor, right? You go out and you are public enemy number one, especially if you've got your kids and you don't have that. And my kids have never, not once, have my kids worn. Mm -hmm one and, and and they won't um, we won't do that and we won't require it here uh, at, at the school either we just won't require it we don't we're not mandated by by law it's a suggestion um, and we don't take any right. kind of public funding so we're gonna go ahead and move forward as a community in the way that we feel safe so I'm absolutely with you so what are you gonna do so your your girl's four now she Right. She's so actually she's, in her Montessori school and not masking. I mean, beautiful. I, so I, I mean, I was on this. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> like, Absolutely. you know, obviously. Absolutely. And so she's been back since May 11th. Awesome. And now her school, of course, we purchased a house in this zip code for this Austin AISD kindergarten. Uh, she's four. So she has this whole year still in the Montessori school. Yep. Um, they are doing temperature checks yep. and they are, um, you know, asking that obviously if the child is sick, we keep them home. Of course, uh, of course all reasonable, logical sure. elements. And right. um, the teacher that is temp checking is wearing a mask, yeah. walking the child in, but their teacher is not wearing a mask throughout the day and none of the children are. Beautiful. They're doing science experiments. Their arms are around each other. They're still eating at the lunch table, facing each other. Um, they're able to collaborate and connect like children should. Uh, because again, this is essential, not just for optimal brain chemistry, but yes. for humanity. I Absolutely. really believe for, for the function of humans Absolutely. and, um, as, as well as our, our immune system and having that diversity, the, the scary thing beyond masks is, um, and, and that was in my, my letter I said to the school, I said, my child will return to school when her teacher can smile at her and reassure her after she's bumped her knee at recess. Yep. Because it's as simple as that. Yep. It's as simple as damn that. Yep, and and I don't feel safe as a parent subjecting my child to being in a situation where they have to say, it's okay, it's okay, you're gonna be fine. Mm -mm. That's not the world that I'm gonna choose to be mm -hmm. in. And, and so I think there's gonna be a lot of pods um, I, I see a high need for, I, I, I mean, I, I have like a huge business idea. I don't even think I should say out loud, but I mean, I think there's a high need for collaborating and finding like-minded individuals because there's already people saying, we don't want to do this virtual homeschool because a child until ninth grade should not be exposed to a screen, the amount of hours that are being recommended. Talk about dopamine burnout. Yep. And, and again, a different level of neurotransmitter stimulation yep. and 
dopamine made by the adrenals, putting them in this constant fight or flight response, Absolutely. not safe. And then you have that social situation as well, where they're not actually truly connecting with their other human beings. They're not ha that is such an important part of of the developmental aspect for for these young people. It, it's it's unreal. You're, I'll uh, I'm glad to talk offline. I'd love to hear what you're what you're talking about as far as you know. You have all these ideas, but so we're doing the same. We see all this going on. You got these pods, right? I put out a little manifesto, um, collaborative homeschooling, right? Just uh, post COVID nineteen. Like, hey, we know people are going to be pulling out in droves. I've got people contacting me every single day saying, look, we are pulling out. What do we do? We're going to homeschool, but now we yeah. have no, we have no idea how to do it. So we are trying to help people get collaborative. You know, we can only take so many here on our physical campus. We're opening up more campuses um, around here in California, which is great, but it's still not going to serve the masses. It's right. still not going to serve everybody that needs to be served. And so we're creating some of these uh, you know, awesome. just, just awareness of how people can do this and work together to provide some of these socially acceptable situations for our kids. Oh, you know, beyond. I mean, it is, it's, it's dystopic and mm -hmm. it's, it's like I said, I, I fear yeah. when I think from my heart and I think from my intuition that it is going to uproot so much of what makes humans human. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. there's just no simpler way than to say that. And I choose to be in a space where I can dance to music and I can, uh, my, my daughter, there was a stand up celloist in our neighborhood and we're in Austin. So it's pretty intense For and, sure. uh, really pro mask as well. Yeah. And uh, there was some string musicians playing across the road, across the road, 20 plus feet, right? Yeah. Uh, and so Stella is the name of my daughter. Um, we had walked home, grabbed um, a snack to sit outside and watch the musicians. And she's sitting with her sticker book and sat through the whole concert and said, mama, we got to tip the musicians. Cause like we're, it's like art, yeah. we're, we're music lovers. We go listen to bluegrass, we do all the things. And so yeah. she's got a $5 bill. Oh, Cash currency, mind you. Yeah, oh, how dare you? Gosh, you grandma <laughs> Cross, killers. She's crossing the street and I'm holding her hand and I can read right away. Oh, this woman is not, not into it. this offering. Yeah. And so Stella is not reading that. Bless her heart. And I hope I can keep her in a space where she doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, here, we have this $5 for oh. you. Thank you for playing beautiful music. And the woman's like, oh, well, uh, you can just donate it to the food bank. And she's jumping away from my child as if she has a, a, yeah. a fourth it's, arm or, you know, yeah, the flag, totally. truly. This, yeah, totally. Just a little leper walking up to her. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was just this mm. deflating so feeling as a parent. And, and finally something clicked. I, I don't know. It was probably Stella's perseverance because the third time she tried to hand her the five dollar bill yeah. the lady finally took like an exhale and, and grabbed the five dollars and said thank you and yeah. it was like it was like it was almost as if something in her yeah. whatever spirit or whatever reawoken and she was yeah. like what am i doing yeah. jumping away from this child who kid. now yeah yeah oh. so Gosh, man. It's just a yeah. simple, right? Like a simple, you know, right? Not the end of the day problem. But then on our walk home, Stella's like, why are you yanking my arm so firmly, mom? And I said, I, I could read that that lady was scared of you. Yeah. And she said, scared of me? What would she be fearful of? And it was just like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, oh, like more and more we devolve into into that kind of madness. I just, my, my heart goes out to all these kids and to all these um, you know, thank God Stella's got 
a mom who who understands the the just the simple logic behind all of this kind of stuff. My heart goes out to all those those moms that that they don't they don't have this that they have been conditioned culturally Ugh. speaking and they are training their kids to operate in that same fashion. I really really do worry about um, you know the the future generation. What we're gonna do. we already have a you know a generation of youngsters in their twenties that have grown up in this system that is that has created an environment where they can be indoctrinated, they can be controlled, they do feel like they need some safe spaces. They're they're moving towards all of these these call it for what it is, these socialist movements, right? And they're just they're not just accepting of it, but they're asking it and they're they're demanding yes. it of other people. You know, we're already moving there and we exacerbate that with what we're doing to to the younger kiddos with, you know, with this masking situation. It worries me. Um, worries me for all of us moving forward. So thank God, I'm glad that you're, um, uh, thank God for Stella. We've seriously. been, we've been hugging the whole way through and, yeah, and I just think that that's, uh, that's what's going to come out yeah. of this more yeah. grassroots need to connection. And, totally. uh, I, I hope that again, that's a part of the, the great awakening element, if you will, of, sure. of understanding collaboration and community, because I mean, my business was virtual before yeah. uh, I transitioned in, in 2016 to an all virtual platform, yep. but we greatly value and see community in other ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is this first experiment. I talk about ritual all the time, like the importance of ritual mm. with wellness. Yeah. And so many people are still right now lost because of their ritual being laid out by their work day, whether mm -hmm. it's park my car, take the elevator, walk up here, say hello to the secretary. Do, do, do. Yeah. You know, there's just these little time stamps <laughs> yeah, that yeah. seem so meaningless yeah. that we we check these boxes as humans as like, I lived my life today. Yes. I, I did my things. Yeah. I went through said rituals. And a lot of... I mean, for the children equally and the adults, this is a need right now we're seeing in this four plus months of loss of ritual where yeah. we have the opportunity to create new rituals mm -hmm. and to make them a manifesto that is mandated for quality of life yep. um, that we're not going to let down on or to put our arms up and lose all, all ritual right. and connection or have rituals laid out for us that maybe we don't resonate with. That's exactly and, right. and I think that that's a, a, an important conversation to be having at this time. It definitely is. God, you're so right. So where, so what's next for you? Like, what is your kind of your big focus right now? How can we help? I want to obviously talk about the, I want you to be able to talk about the book. I want to talk about where people can, can follow you and get in contact with you, but what's kind of, before we even do that, what's next for you? What's kind of the big focus right now? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm just right now really still into this, this train of the school thing, yeah. uh, equally important as the masks, uh, no masks for youth yeah. and, you know, really educating people on it, potentially being abusive again, not net neutral, but net harmful. Sure. And it's an easier space to start at least with the children. And hopefully that gets larger. Yep. Uh, and, and equally I'm, I'm really passionate right now about advocating for effective and safe disinfectants because I find that whole world of sterility to be Gosh. extremely scary yep. as a functional medicine practitioner. The diversity of our microbiome really starts with the thumbprint at your birth story. And I'm, I'm very uh, frustrated and upset at what's going on in today's space yeah. with these really harmful, known harmful disinfectants like quaternary ammonium um, that are being sprayed in defoggers and germ 
bugs and scans that are not just going to sterilize our good gut flora, mm-hmm. um, but are also going to be a risk association for respiratory duress, yes. right? So actually harming our lungs and respiratory system, providing neurotoxic compounds that can increase the influx of all mental illness, um, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. cancer, uh, and then also the sexual sterility concerns. Sure. A lot of these compounds are really harmful for from studies on sperm motility to egg health to uh, driving estrogen dominance yeah. and, and so much more. And so I, I really think that that, for some reason, I thought that that was a more neutral, easy conversation to have than yeah. the masks. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. It doesn't matter. You're going to get, dude, we, so we had. It's shocking. I believe, yeah, I mean, but that's, seriously, nothing is, is surprising me anymore. <laughs> we had a, um, uh, a gentleman, very nice, very well meaning gentleman that showed up um, outside the building, outside of the building for campus about a week and a half ago. Um, and he says, hey, he says, I've got something. I'm going around to all the schools and I've got something that you absolutely need to see. And so, what he proposed, I didn't listen to a ton of it, but the general nature of it, what he proposed was this product that he would put and they would have to reapply every two or three months, depending on the amount of traffic you get in your building. But it's a product that goes over the top of all handles all throughout your uh, all throughout your facility, right? And goes on top of the handles. It's almost like it's a um, almost like a saran wrapped kind of thing that goes on there, and then it goes on all these doors. It goes on all these high traffic areas, and you're essentially just kind of saran wrapping. And what it does supposedly is, as you touch it, right? If it's he's like it just kills coronavirus on contact, so it can <laughs> handle up to like 3,500 touches and all this. I said, what is on this stuff? He's like, it doesn't matter. It's killing the coronavirus. I said, well, it matters to me if this is what we're, I'm having all of my students come through and they're touching this and we can touch it 3,500 times and it's doing all this. I said, what else is it killing? He said, well, it doesn't matter. He said, I, we can try to find out, but he said, it's COVID-19 that it's killing. And I said, cool. Is it, is it off gassing anything else into our facility? He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, cool. Right. Clearly, this is not a conversation you and I should be having. So let's go ahead yeah. and just let's go ahead and shut this down right now. But it's horrifying, horrifying, all of this kind of stuff. And you are, and, and you're right. And we have just as many people that are on that train uh, as other things. And it goes back down to again that that question that I ask every day in this realm as a practitioner of what is the mechanism of action? Yeah. Like, please. Yep. Please don't tell me what I should do and how it's good for me until you can tell me the mechanism of how that works and how that influences my body. That's right. Because if you can empower me with that level of information and then I can sit with it and be in tune with my body and determine if that's going to help its function or hinder its function, then that's great. Then, then we can, we then can decide good. that yep. you, you can have a position here that's exactly in, right. in my health space. That's exactly <laughs> right. You're not welcome. <laughs> uh, so thankful for you. So thankful for everything that you're for, that you're doing and, and for being part of that. Um, you and Stella both, man. People are making bad decisions oh, and and thank so you. super grateful. Where do people go to get get some more info yeah. about so, you? Yeah, so um, I have uh, two websites. I have AllieMillerRD.com. Yep. That's my primary website. That has my uh, virtual 
programs. I have a 12-week keto food as medicine program. Mm -hmm. Really good time now to jump on. We're starting a new group right after Labor Day. Uh, I also have a adrenal rehab program, which is evergreen. It's a four-week-long process from everything from teaching you about grounding techniques to blue blockers to really mm -hmm. nerding out on the HPA axis. It was launched after my books, The Anti-Anxiety Diet and Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook. It's kind of more an experiential component of it, right. and that's called Adrenal Rehab. And then um, I have my books on there, and I have an entire supplement line, uh, and, and we curate different bundles within supplements of formulas based on focus. So like a stress manager bundle or a uh, beat the bloat gut dysbiosis cleanse bundle yeah. and so much more. And then my podcast, podcast is called yes. Naturally Nourished. Yes, yeah. And uh, we just hit 200 episodes this week. So, so it's cool. super exciting. Congrats. Yeah. We have tons of uh, tons of content on there. Yep. And um, the podcast and the blog is hosted at naturallynourishedrd.com. And that's where my virtual clinic is. And on the blog, I'll, I'll send you a couple of resources, but we have one on advocating for safe and effective disinfectants. Uh, at work and schools, and then another one called Advocating for Logic in the Time of Pandemic, oh, and that's about masking. I love uh, it. Yep. So th those are resources too for listeners. So good, man. Thank you so much for not just taking the time here, but for what you're doing in general. Thank you. I feel like I meet very few people a lot of times that are on this, you know, this, and I hate to even feel like there's sides, but I just feel like there's not so many people on the team of logic and, and then being, not being afraid to speak out with that logic too, you know, and then that's really the, that's really the, the, the big thing. So thank you so much for doing that. My pleasure. It's yeah, a fun conversation. Allie, you, you rock, man. Thank you. There you go, man. We had a great conversation. We had a, a great conversation afterwards too. And, and, uh, she kind of expanded upon her business idea a little bit there and, and, uh, just a brilliant woman. So super interested to hear what you guys think about this one too. So, um, you know, along with sharing and reviewing and all that stuff that super you know, definitely helps the podcast and appreciate so much, so many people that have done that too. And, and that is just awesome, but would definitely like to hear um, what you think about the, the guests and some of the things that they share. And so you know, don't be afraid to connect. We're getting a website, uh, up and running, but don't be afraid to connect uh, until then reach out, you know, via IG, reach out via Twitter, uh, whatever that looks like, and let us know what you think about the episodes until then. Thank you. Please keep sharing. Please keep telling people about it and uh, very much appreciate your support we'll catch you guys next time